You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Anoop. Today, I'm super excited to talk to James Stone on investing in future growth, meaningful automation and sales. Our guest for today, James, is Director of North American Mid-Market Sales at HubSpot. During his tenure at HubSpot, James both founded and led the HubSpot for Startups program and helped the company grow from about 150 employees and $30 million in ARR to over 5,000 employees and $1 billion in ARR. James, super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Excited to chat with you today. Awesome. James, my first question to you is... What is the importance of investing in future growth, especially in an area like sales? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's a it's a rather timely question as you think about sort of HubSpot's evolution. So to provide a little bit of context, HubSpot at the moment is actually nearly almost about 6,000 employees. And we have every intention in the next three years to be at roughly around 15,000. Now, not every business obviously is at that scale but it definitely presents the same problem that's posed to the group, which is how is it that you invest in your business for future growth? As there are certainly short-term priorities and there are long-term priorities. So I think that when thinking about investing in future growth, it's how is it that you take the resources that you currently have, the revenue that it is that you're receiving, and put a plan in place and a plan together to ensure that short-term priorities are certainly accomplished but you put yourselves in a position where it's much easier to succeed and risk is mitigated so that you're in a position maybe 12, 18, 24, 36 months down the road where you can go ahead and ensure that your company is still in a position to grow at the rate in which that you want. And so it's a great question, one that at this point in the year in October, we're certainly discussing a lot as it pertains to our strategy, but it's something I encourage every business to really think about as the problems that you have you know, six months from now are going to be much different mm-hmm. than the problems that you have two years from now. And finding that balance, I think, is very, very important. That's true. So, James, how does automation and sales help drive this future growth? Can you elaborate on that? Sure. So I think that there's there's certainly a benefit with how it is that technology has progressed, you know, over the last decade. I think that automation is certainly one of those hot topics and can be sort of defined in a lot of different ways. I think when I imagine automation, first couple of phrases that come to mind is what is it that we can do or what are the tasks that it is that we usually do that perhaps could be automated to make our group a lot more efficient. So as it is that you grow, you know, there are really two ways to go ahead, at least in sales, to increase your revenue. Now, first is human capital. You can throw more people, more sales reps within your sales function, and then you'll have more people that are able to attack your sales number. So, you know, if you want to grow 50% year over year, one could argue you could hire, you know, maybe twice as many salespeople or increase your sales team by 50%. Mm -hmm. The other piece of the equation, though, is efficiency productivity per rep. So if you wanted to go from, say, just to use simple numbers, say you wanted to go from 1 million to 2 million in revenue. If everybody did the exact same thing 
and you had 10 reps, 10 reps do the exact same thing this year as next year, you'll generate the same net new revenue if you know all things remain constant. So the way in which that you get to 2 million is you could go ahead and hire more people, so you have more people selling, or alternatively, which tends to be a much more cost-effective way of selling, you can make your reps much more efficient, and you can ensure that reps can generate more revenue from sort of the same pie. And so to initially answer sort of your, your first question, when I think of automation, automation serves an extremely important sort of factor in improving a rep's productivity. And if there are tasks that a rep does, and there are many, and, and I can go into detail as to sort of the, the individual pieces of sort of a sales rep's job that really incorporates automation. But when you think about it, there's so many pieces of a sales rep's day of their capacity of their process that with automation, you can go ahead and improve significantly to improve a rep's PPR and in turn, enhance the growth of your company. Understood. So would you have any specific framework to set up this process? I mean, any secret sauce that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So I recognize that a lot of my listeners are, are probably, you know, different roles and at different size businesses. I think the first step in any of this is to first identify your key metrics or KPIs that really drive your success. So to go ahead and give you some insight here at HubSpot, you have both leading and lagging indicators. You've got activity metrics that will you know, go ahead and inform you of perhaps what your future growth will look like, but it's just as important to look at historical trends from the past to indicate where it is that you can also improve. So at HubSpot, we look at all of our sales reps sort of against one another. It's a very transparent culture where reps can always see how it is that they stack up against everyone else. And so as an organization, I think it's first important to think about what are your growth goals? And then a byproduct of that is how is it that you should compensate and incentivize your sales team to accomplish those goals? So for us right now, we're very heavily focused on growth and retention. And so we compensate and incentivize our sales reps to sign on as many net new clients as they can while simultaneously selling to their install base. And you'll notice as you work backwards in this equation, the key indicators to us that a rep is succeeding at these things is the quantity of monthly recurring revenue that they bring in on a monthly basis, combined with all of their engagement metrics, things like activity, how many discovery calls they have or demonstrations, combined with also different rates, like what is their discovery to demo rate or the amount of ops created or sort of deals that they create with their associated close rate. At the end of the day, a lot of it becomes a math equation and trying to understand where within that math equation are your biggest bottlenecks or areas of friction, where then perhaps things like automation could help improve it, or certainly as a business, where it is you might want to tweak your strategy to see growth accelerate at a higher rate. Interesting. So now you mentioned key metrics. So how would you define these key metrics or success metrics? So is it a standard format or a specific format that people can adhere to? Yeah, great question. I think that there are really two primary metrics, you know, in thinking about a sales team. It's it's all the engagement metrics and the activity. That's historically what you first think of. You got to put something in to get something out. And so the first set of metrics I encourage a lot of you to sort of start thinking about here is what are the typical activities of your sales process? You've got things like outreaches, calls, emails, LinkedIn messages, whatever they might be. Think about how many of those messages end up yielding how many initial discovery or connect calls. You know, a lot of companies use different phrases, deals, opportunities. How many deals and opportunities does that create? And what is that engagement to discovery created rate and deal creation rate? That'll inform you 
when thinking about sort of your statistics, how good is this person at ultimately prospecting? What is their rate at which they can create these types of deals? It's a lot of what a business development rep or a sales development rep function consists of. Then when you're thinking about the account executive and the actual person that's managing the sales process, you'd like to understand how many of those discovery and connect calls end up closing because that informs you that ultimately a salesperson can do a good job of establishing pain and transitioning it into actually selling product. Then there are other metrics that when it is that a deal is closed, you want to look at such as close percentage, average sales price, types of products that typically are sold. So you can address and look across your sales team to see who your highest producers are and who are best at closing. In addition to who are the individuals on your team that are perhaps selling the right types of product mixes that other reps might want to go ahead and mimic. So that's all on sort of the activity piece that you want to go ahead and look at. I also suggest salespeople always want to look at also the clients that they bring on board. Those clients that you bring on, what's their lifetime value? How often do those types of clients upsell? For example, is every client that you bring on only going to potentially sell, you know, sell to them a $1 widget? Or do you always have an opportunity to cross-sell and upsell that particular individual? That's what we really think about with regards to a metric called dollar retention. We always try in the phrasing of Brian Halligan, if you put a dollar into your machine, in other words, it costs you about $1 to acquire a customer, how much money do they end up giving you back at the end? And right now, HubSpot's machine tends to be pretty productive in that right now, if you put that dollar in, you're looking at getting about $7 back, which is a machine that I think a lot of people would like. So a lot of different metrics that we look at, but certainly it's what activities go in and then how much money are we really receiving back? And how is it that we make that equation more and more productive, reduce the roadblocks and the friction to make it as easy as possible for our sellers to sell and then our buyers to buy? I think that's really what it boils down to. Those are definitely interesting insights. I'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate this a lot. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Happy to. So James, is there any book, blog, newsletter that you would love to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, great question. There are a few. You know, the book that really first impressed me was How to Win Friends and Influence People, which uh, I think is a, is a very classic. timely. Yeah, it's a classic. But at the moment, it's also extremely timely because I'll, I'll admit that one of the hardest sort of parts of my role at the moment is hiring and onboarding individuals remotely, especially in a society where a lot of individuals haven't perhaps had or, it, you know, really exceeded expectations remotely at their last role. It takes a really different type of person, I think, to onboard and motivate themselves without a lot of other people around. And so hiring and really developing human connections with people has been something that I find is increasingly difficult when it is that you're going through a computer screen. So that's always a book I recommend and certainly think is timely in this day and age. And that it just sort of really brings you back down to earth as to making a genuine human connection with someone and working alongside, you know, someone that maybe you don't even have the opportunity of ever getting to meet in person, just how important of a skill set that is. As it pertains to podcasts, I'm always a fan of this one called Make It Happen Mondays. It's a uh, it's a great podcast that really delves into, I feel, really black and white concepts about sales, developing sales tactics and techniques that I think do a really good job of being quote unquote human. And 
I just don't feel as if that there are as many sort of stories out there that are good. It's a, it's a podcast by John Barrows, who's a historical, very big B2B salesperson who now does a lot of consulting for other businesses. That's a really good podcast I would highly recommend. And, and last but not least, I'm just a, I'm a pretty big Simon Sinek fan. I really delve a lot into the psychology of building relationships, trust, what leadership really looks like. And it's something that I think that a lot of people would benefit from. Last but not least, I'm also a big fan of Extreme Ownership, you know, which was uh, the book written by two ex-Navy SEALs. I think it's it's a very good first management book for a lot of initial people managers, especially in sales, a lot about taking accountability mm -hmm. and, and leading a team towards a common goal. So those are just a, a handful that I'd, I'd certainly recommend. Those are very interesting recommendations. We'll surely check them out. Yeah, total, total, you know, whole gambit from, from one length to the other. Just a, a lot of interesting things. I'm big into the sort of psychology of sales. Awesome. So James, are there any three individuals in B2B tech who lead GTM or data science teams that you would love to recommend we bring onto the show? Yeah, three individuals that I actually, some of whom I, I used to work with, but three individuals that come to mind that all at one point were salespeople at HubSpot that have now become, I think, really influential people leaders at other scaling tech companies. First is Ryan New, who's the CEO of Vendor. It's a company that he had started a year or two ago that is all about making the buying process of technology simpler and easier for businesses. HubSpot's a client. They actually just recently raised their Series B and they're scaling very, very quickly. I think he'd be a tremendous person to bring on. Another individual who I used to work with is Ryan Meadows, who's the VP of sales over at Clavio. Another Boston startup that has developed technology that aligns a lot, you know, very well with Shopify, sort of as a B2C marketing company for a lot of e-com companies. And I'd say last but not least is a friend of mine, John Schur. He actually now is the VP of sales at Lattice, a company out on the West Coast that has a tremendous software, you know, for companies with, uh, with dealing with people management. I think it's a great piece. So it's funny how, you know, we initially start out back in our, our mid and late 20s is just salespeople. And we've now, you know, developed into these really interesting people leaders at a variety of different businesses. Surely life takes us on very interesting journeys. Definitely. Cool. So James, what's the best way for someone to get connected with you after this recording? We have a lot of listeners who may have questions for you. So what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I think best would be my LinkedIn. It's quite easy. It's just James M. Stone. And I'm sure that the link will be provided, you know, after the podcast, but that's the best way to interact. I try and push any types of pieces of content that I find are really valuable through my LinkedIn, try and interact with as many individuals as possible that message me directly. The last couple of years, I've, I've really tried also taking a more prominent role with my day-to-day -day in, in helping out a lot of Boston area tech startups and, and new people leaders. So that's typically the medium in which I, I interact with most. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on our show. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Like I really appreciate you taking some time off to share your insights and thoughts with our listeners. Of course, it was, uh, it was great to be on it. And, and I don't think it would be my job unless it is. I also made the plug that naturally if individuals want to learn a little bit more about HubSpot, sales at HubSpot, you know, can always go ahead and check out our careers page. We're hiring and we're looking to grow pretty quickly. Awesome. So you hear that, guys? Definitely reach out to HubSpot. They're hiring. I'm sure they have some very exciting tools. A lot of growth goals. Need to get more people in seat. So <laughs> thanks again. It was great being on the show. Likewise, James. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, 
please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Base TV. 